Good morning. Welcome to New Life. If you could find your seats, that would be awesome. Isn't it just great to be a part of an awesome church where you can just have awesome people, right? I know, no, not very many people are happy today. Maybe you don't know each other very well. I know some of you, you only see each other on, on Sunday mornings, so this is, this is your only time to really get together throughout the week. So, man, I, I'm just so glad that you're here. If this is your first time to New Life, man, we are just glad that you're here. We understand at New Life um, that there are a number of awesome churches in Kearney, but that you chose to come and worship with us today, we're just truly honored and, and blessed. So if you are a first-time guest or you're a regular tender, man, we are good. We're glad to see you today. Uh, I'm Nate, and I'm just one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, I get the opportunity to share today. So uh, everybody doing good? Yeah. Good. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So uh, today is Palm Sunday. My message doesn't have anything to do with Palm Sunday, but... I know many of you are like, oh, I just need to hear, it's Palm Sunday. So I just wanted to throw that in today. Um, it's, it's the week, it's Passion Week, um, leading up to the greatest day in history that changed the world, amen? For all believers. And so, and so that is an exciting time, and we want to encourage you um, that to come to the Good Friday service. It's held this Friday at 7 p.m. It's here at the church. It's community-wide, so all the other churches that are Bible-believing, they'll be showing up here. So come early, because it'll be filling up um, uh, quickly. So get here. So uh, if you have your Bibles today, um, we're going to continue in our E100, our Essential 100 top um, stories in the Bible. Um, we've been doing this for 20 weeks. How many people have been here for all 20-week sessions? Right on. Give it up for them today. Come on. Give it up for them. There's a few of you. If you've missed, that's okay. You can just go back to mynewlifechurch.com, and you can go to the archive, and you can uh, listen to those and uh, catch up on those messages. But today we're going to be looking uh, at, a, at a passage in Mark chapter 5 about a demon-possessed man. So if you got your Bible there, you can, or Bible, you can flip there, or if your electronic device, you need to maybe flip there. You can do that. But can I ask you a question today? Okay, good. I, man, I, I only do well if people talk to me. So, like, if you can just talk to me today. If you think something's good, and be like, amen. If you don't think it's going good, just wave at me or something. Like, stop, be quiet. But it's cool. Uh, but talk to me today. Can you do that? Feel free to talk, feel free to, talk to me. So today I want to I ask you a question. What brings you the greatest joy today? What causes you to wake up in the morning? What gives you the passion for your day? What just, man, makes you just, when you get up, you're just jacked up, ready to go, take on the world, take on the day. Today I'm not looking for a top three, I'm looking for the number one. What is the number one thing that makes, that just brings you the greatest joy? Okay, good, thank you. Oh, thank you for talking to me, that's good. And I know, I honestly, some of you are like, dude, that is a loaded question. It is, but I want you to honestly just answer in your heart. So thanks for throwing it out there. But for some of you, it, maybe it's just sitting down with your honey or your sweetheart and watching, uh, watching a movie with just a warm bowl of popcorn. Anybody's like, amen, that, that's, that's good. That, there's some joy in that, but that's not my ultimate joy. Okay, maybe that made your top five list. Others of you, going on a missions trip, going to a third world country, or, or maybe doing a bounce or an outreach in Kearney or the surrounding area. Man, when you get involved, you get plugged in and you use your gifts, that jacks you up for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Others of you, as the spring days begin to turn to summer, you begin to think, oh, I just can't wait. I daydream about the day at the lake. You know, just relaxing and hanging out in the water and uh, just enjoying yourself. Others of you, it's sharing your story of how Jesus has changed your life. Others of you, motor, just riding your motorcycle. Some of you don't, may don't have a lot of hair, but the wind blowing through your bald head, that is awesome to you. You're like, yes. In first service, we had like the whole Christian Motorcycle Association. They were in the back and they were like, yeah. 
<laughs> they were all jacked up. They were talking to me a lot. So, you know, others of you, a one-on-one conversation with someone about his or her spiritual journey, that just, man, blesses your heart. You're like, dude, I just love discipleship. I just love sitting down and having a cup of coffee with somebody and hanging out with them. And others of you, you're super simple. A good cup of coffee in the morning just brings you the greatest joy. You're just like, give me the java juice. Woo! Okay, cool. I, I mean, I love, I, I, I hang out at Caribou a lot. And I know I've seen mo- a lot of you there, but I hang out at Caribou, the Hy-Vee one. There's a little plug, I guess, whatever. Um, and I hang out there and I, I love the berry white mocha. It's a foo-foo drink. Oh, see, all the women are like, yes, it's actually pink in color because it's like got all the berry stuff in it, man. But it's just like my, my drink of choice. It's to live for, my wife said. So it's to live for. But today, you know, where did you find yourself identifying um, with your greatest joy? What were you thinking about? I think when we identify what our greatest joy is, it helps us to identify, you know, what we're focusing on. Um, you know, there's a famous verse that says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And so today, did you find yourself thinking about maybe temporary pleasures or eternal successes? And so today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. But I'm not going to read all 20 verses because you just don't want to listen to me read. Um, that would be bad. So I'm just going to kind of paraphrase and just give you a little bit of the big picture. Is that cool today? Thank you. Awesome. So here we go. So we have Jesus and the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee, and they're making their way to the region of Gadara. And they're getting on their, as they're approaching and getting close, this massive storm comes up. We have the, the, the disciples are freaking out. They're going, dude, we're going to drown. We're going to die. Jesus is just hanging out, taking a nap. Some of you, you've lived life so much that you are like Jesus. You're like, it doesn't matter what comes my way. I can just kick back. Jesus is in control. It's all good. You know what I'm saying? And that's what was going on. These people, the disciples are going, dude, we're going to die. And Jesus is taking a nap. He's just hanging out. And Jesus wakes up. They wake him up and say, Jesus, what do you help us out here? And he comes in and, and he begins to speak with authority to the wind and it begins to calm and the seas begin to calm. And, they, and they're, as their boat gets close to the sea, they dock, their, they dock the boat on, on the shore. And as they get off the boat, there's a demon-possessed man who lives in the tombs, who lives in the caves. And he knows, notices. He turns to Jesus. This man, he lives there. He's been shackled. He's so crazy, he's out of control that the city has come and said, you know what, we've got to do something this wild man. He's buck naked, running around all the time, howling and screaming at night, scaring the kids. We've got to do something with this guy. And so they bind him up, but he breaks free. He cuts himself at night, and he breaks free. And he comes to Jesus, and he sees Jesus a long way off, and he turns his eye, and he runs to Jesus. Excuse me. He runs to him, and then he bows down before him. And the man stands up, and there's a loud, a loud screech. And in the Greek, it says that if you, you know, you know, remember when those people used to do this? Maybe when they're when they're chalkboards in schools. You know, anybody who's walk up and stick their nails on the chalkboard, and you're like, Aah! that's what happens in front of Jesus. This man just lets out this screech and this yell. And Jesus says, "What's your name?" The man's never named in the Bible, but he says, "My name's Legion." And there's a lot of demons in us, in me. There's a lot of demons here. And Jesus, he, he casts out the demon. What, what are the, where do the demons go? They're like, don't cast us so far away. No, cast us close. And so there was a herd of about 2,000 pigs. And Jesus sends the demons into the pigs. The, de- the pigs get going crazy. And they run off the end of a cliff and into the water and they drowned. I'm going to stop right there for a second. I think that's a great picture of when you come, when you, when, you, when you live in the darkness, you have to understand the enemy that you are dealing with. 
He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he wanted to do with the man. I don't know what the man did to say, demon, come possess me. But something in his life happened where he said, come on. Whatever I'm doing in this life, it's temporary and it's not working and I need, some, I need something. And so he opened himself up to this demon. And what happened was, is he lived in bondage. He lived in pain. He isolated himself from the community, from the people. He lived amongst the corpse. He hung out there. You need to understand that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, where, you know how I can understand that? It's because when Jesus frees the man from the demon, what do they do? They run into the pig, and the pigs are then stolen from the pig herders. And what do they do? They run and are destroyed, and they drowned. Make the correlation. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but, the, but Jesus comes to give life, freedom, and hope today. Amen? Amen. So it's a picture that we can see that, man, the enemy does come to steal and kill and destroy. He wants to bind you up, put you in bondage. So after the herders are all freaking out going, dude, all of our pigs are out drowned. They're floating in the pond. They run into the region. They run into the the city there. And they begin to tell people, dude, this Jesus guy showed up. And you know that wild man that runs around naked? Yeah, something's different about him. And he begins to tell all these people in the region. The people begin to flood out to Jesus and go, "Uh, Jesus, what are you doing? And they begin, and they find the man sitting there fully clothed, sane in his mind, cleaned up. But they say, to the, they say to Jesus, Jesus, we don't want any part of you. It would be better if you were to leave. Another correlation, these aren't even, this is not even really my notes. This all just came out of this morning's prayer time. But today, so many times in our culture, we become, sin becomes the norm, right? In our culture, there's a number of issues that are all over the news and the media, and it's just the social norm. Everybody does it. And the people had seen this man running around, being crazy, living in bondage, living in sin. And they said, hey, we'd rather have that than the same guy. This is weird. Today, are we those types of people that say, oh, man, sin is normal? 50% of marriages, oh, they just end in divorce. No big deal. Or are we the people that go, you know what? 50% of marriages don't have to end in divorce. Jesus can restore. Jesus can bring healing. When, if, we're like the, if we're like the demon-possessed man, if we turn our eyes to Jesus, he begins to show us how to live our life. Begins to change our heart. Takes us from the temporary to the eternal. Amen? Today, are we, are we going to sit down and just lay down and go, oh, you know what? 77% of people look at porn every week. Are we going to be those people and go, oh, that's just what they do? No, get to Jesus. Let him transform you. Let him shape you. Let him change you. The people had Jesus there, and they didn't want any part of him. They said, we'd rather have the demon-possessed man, the wild, crazy guy, than the sane man today. That's where we're at. That's what we're looking at. Don't become calloused to sin. Romans 12, verse 2 says this. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Today, that's what I'm going after today. I'm believing God's going to change your heart, but this word today is going to help just change the way you perceive things. You look at the world. You look at the way you live your life. That's my hope today. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Anybody want to know the will of God for their life? I believe all of us do. Some of us are desiring, going, man, I wish I just knew what God's design was me for, this, for my life. Today, I believe he wants to show you that. So today, if you're lacking purpose 
in your life, if you find yourself settling for the temporary joys and they leave you empty, if you feel like, you know, life's just completely out of control today, um, essential truth number one, this block that's going on to our wall, you need to understand this. Number one, turning your eyes upon Jesus changes your perspective from the temporary to the eternal. Today, today you need to know that you were designed to live with a purpose. God has a purpose and a design for you to live in freedom. But the enemy wants to come, still kill, and destroy. If you've got your Bibles, or if you want to look on the screen with me, Mark chapter 5, verse 2 through 5. When Jesus got out of the boat, I kind of told you this a little bit, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. But when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. Today, that's what we're going to look at. Temporary, years past, this man was in bondage. And what did the people do? They tried to make a temporary fix. He's crazy. He's wild. Send him out to the cemetery. Chain him up. Didn't work. He broke free. The man, the man had pain in his life. He was going, man, I got so much pain, shame, guilt, frustration, anger. He began to go to the stones and began to cut his flesh. It's the same thing that's happening today with our, with our young people. So much abuse, so much pain, so much being bullied, whatever it looks like. Our young people today are doing the same thing. They're going to razor blades, cutting on their arms, cutting on their thighs, going, man, I need a way out. I need a fix for this pain, and it's temporary. They tried it with this man. Nothing helped. See, no temporary fix worked. But when the man saw Jesus and ran in surrender, the man found eternal value and lasting healing. Today, are you looking for temporary fix or an eternal fix today? I think, some, I think today that Jesus wants to change your heart, not your circumstances. Too many times we're the 911 type of people. We call Jesus when we're in a panic. Oh, help me. Change my circumstance. God just really cares about your heart today. Your circumstance, if your circumstances never changed, would you still love Jesus? That's the question you got to ask today. So back to a verse that I referred to early on was Matthew 6, 19 through 24. And I just love the picture that it paints of, um, to the temporary things of this world. It's in verse 19. We'll look at it. Don't hoard treasures down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasures in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is a place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are the windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide and wander in belief, your body fills up with light. If you live with squinty-eyed and greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your, on your windows, what a dark life you will have. Today, anybody ever watch a TV show call, called Hoarders? We've seen that show. If not, it's on Netflix, past seasons, and some of you are going, Oh my goodness. I mean, it's a real disorder. I know some people in here, you, you struggle with it. You know people who struggle with it. It's a, it's a big deal. But some of you today go like, dude, I'm not a hoarder. If today, AKA, or if you say that you're not a hoarder, you might just be a hoarder today. 
But I'm saying you might not just be a hoarder of possessions. Today, in the temporary, sometimes we're the hoarder of our time. See, the currency of today isn't money, it's really time. Can I say that again? The currency of today isn't money, it's time. People don't want to give up their time. you got to make it worth their while. People don't want to come to church just to come to church. They want, to put on, they want you to put on a show. And, and you know what I'm saying? Like, there's big churches out there that's like, it's a production. You know, you show up, you feel like you're going to a rock concert every week. You're like, what? People don't want to give up their time. I understand it. People want to do what they want to do when they want to do it and how they want to do it. But today, are you missing out on maybe God's, one of God's greatest blessings? Are you missing out on an opportunity to do ministry, to serve, maybe not lead, but to do ministry and serve that could bring you the greatest joy and fulfillment in your life? Because you're hoarding your time. You know, maybe it's material possessions. We've all heard the saying, those who die with the most toys win. Not true. But maybe your possessions, they don't own you. Or you don't own them, they own you today. You fantasize about the next new thing. The next video game. The next whatever it is that you fantasize about. Material possessions. In your marriage, maybe you hoard unrealistic expectations that cause us to be left empty and disappointed. Do you remember when you were courting or you were dating your, your spouse or maybe you're in a relationship and you're engaged or you remember that, you know, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you've, you just met that, first, that person, you know, out at the mall or something. You're like, they are so awesome. Like the verse said, your eyes were just wide-eyed and open. You're like, oh, I just love them. They're so awesome. Nothing that they could do would like deter them from you. Like you wouldn't, they would just love them. You know what I'm saying? Like they were just everything that you'd hope they would be. Didn't matter what their character looked like, they were just awesome to you, and you're like, what in the world? People are around you going, dude, why are you hanging out with that person? But over time, you were just like, maybe you've lost the fire inside for them. Maybe you've been married several years. Maybe figures have changed, and you begin to look through the eyes of squinted eyes, and you're like looking at them going, man, everything's changed here. So you need to understand there's a great demonic lie in our culture that you should be attracted to the world's standards. But today the standard of beauty is your spouse. Today the standard of beauty is your spouse. If you look back at scripture, did Adam get to pick, did Adam get to choose between a couple ladies? No, he had Eve. So the standard of beauty was Eve, woman. Today you got the free choice to choose. So you better learn to love who you're with, amen? Because see, the standard of beauty is your spouse. So this, here, just listen to this. If you're into tall... If you're attracted to tall, you're into tall. Some of you, you have tall spouses, you're like, yes. If you're attracted to, to short, you're into short. Some are like, amen, praise the Lord. She chose me, even though we're th- I'm three inches too shorter than her. Praise the Lord. If you're, in, if you're if attracted to skinny, you're into skinny. If your wife or your man or your spouse has gained some weight, you're into formally skinny today. <laughs> Your spouse is the standard of beauty today, period. You don't look at your wife or your husband and go, I remember when they were 17. Things have changed. They're 65, baby. You just love it. Let it all hang out. Let it sag. You go for it. Amen? But so many times we take on these unrealistic expectations of the world and go, these are the standards, and we stack them all up against your spouse and go, you have to be this person, and they're never going to be that person. You're focusing on the temporary instead of the eternal. Some of you just need to love your spouse. Tell them today. It's a day of rest. Go home and take a nap together and just snuggle. Do whatever you do. Maybe it's money today. Is money your security? 
It's relationships. Sometimes we hoard the importance of, and we place humans' relationships before God. We hoard these things that we think, oh, these are things that we have to, we have, to have when they don't really mean that much. So what we must come to understand is this. Temporary joy is about meeting personal expectations. Eternal joy is about meeting God's expectations today. Are you focusing on the temporary or the eternal? That's really where we're going. And I remember in college, there was a moment um, when I was in college that I just, uh, I had a break coming up. It was summer, and I was like, man, I just want to do nothing all summer. I want to do nothing. I don't want to work. I don't want to do anything. And I, I, I was like, I'm going to go to the beach and just hang out. And I had an opportunity. I couldn't go for the whole summer, but I got two weeks to go to, go to the beach. And I went to the beach, and I'm hanging out, and after the second day, I'm bored out of my mind. I'm like, I can only take in so much more sun. I can only feel the sand between my toes so much more. Like, this is, this is dumb. Like, I'm wasting my life. And it was in that moment that God just spoke to me. It was in that moment when I was reading my Bible that God just spoke to me, and he showed me a verse in Ecclesiastes, uh, it's, uh, ver- or chapter 3, verse 11, and it says this. He, is all, he also has planted eternity in men's, humanity's hearts and minds that we would seek him and find him. And it was in that moment, like, God began to just show me um, the, the purpose and the plan for my life. It was in that moment where I was like, God, is this all there is to life? Like, I just get to hang out at the beach? Because I want to do more. I want to live life with purpose. See, the phrase eternity in their hearts means God has placed a big question mark deep in every person's soul. What is the meaning of life? And God intended it that way. So maybe you've heard it this way. There's a, there's a hole in the heart of man that only God can fill. See, every experience on earth, regardless of how pleasurable it is, eventually, if done long enough, leads to boredom. There is something in you meant that wants more than what we can possibly experience, which is why we get bored so easily with new things. The reason that's true is because there is a hole of eternity inside of all humanity's hearts that was created, what's created this hunger for something eternal. Today, maybe you're here today going, that's it. Thank you for sharing that with me. I've been doing my job, living my life, and I'm going, dude, is this all there is? I'm putting money in the, in the bank, and it just goes out to all my bills, and I got nothing to show for it. I'm struggling here. What is my purpose? There's got to be more to life. And God is saying, hey, I put eternity in all humanity's hearts. So today, I hope it's easy for us then. If there are people out there going, what's the meaning of life? And you're the person who's connected to Jesus. You know and understand the meaning of life that you would share. would be a conversation piece for us today. Today, I believe it's the same spirit that was drawing this demon-possessed man to Jesus that is drawing us to Jesus as well today. Today, be like a bug. It's getting close to summer, getting close to spring. How many people, when all the, the streetlights come on, the bugs just come out and go to it? Today, you need to be like a bug and be attracted to the light, which is Jesus. I know it was kind of corny, but I had to throw something in there. <laughs> be attracted to the light. Be attracted to the light. Essential, the essential truth of the block number two is Jesus doesn't disqualify people. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you. You guys, you rock over there. He doesn't disqualify. So today I'm going to look, at, we're going to look at a little bit more of what this demon-possessed man might have looked like um, and what he would have smelt like. So here we go. His hair was probably matted together. His face, it was unshaved. He was a man who was foaming at the mouth. Blood was flowing from his self-inflicted wounds. 
You could hear clinging of the chains as he walked around. Screaming, going crazy, wild man. He lived with no clothes on. He lived amongst the corpse. The stench of dried pus and soured vomit was probably unbearable. He would come at you screaming and crying like a wild animal. He was unclean. He was unsettled. He was uncontrollable. He was unhappy. He was unstable. Knowing that, how many of you would have picked him to play on your softball team? Probably not. How many of you would have called him up and said, hey, why don't you come over and tuck the kids in for the night and read them a bedtime story? Nobody. Nobody would have done that. None of us probably would have said, I'm going to touch him. I mean, if he'd have been running at me and I wasn't Jesus, I'd have been doing the whole karate kid, the crane move on him. Be like, dude, bring it. You better back up. Jesus didn't do that. Nah, Jesus asked him, what's his name? Has a conversation with him. That's what's awesome about Jesus. Jesus befriends society's worst to heal the sick and bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. That's what Jesus does. A changed life is the most powerful statement of the gospel. No one can argue with a changed life. Today, if you're a changed life, get out there and share your story. I'm not saying go stand on the street corner, but just tell somebody your story. This man was transformed. He was changed. Your changed life can't give you any credit because you didn't change yourself. But when you share the life change that's taken place, it brings all glory and honor to Jesus Christ. That's why we share our faith. That's why we share our story. Your story is unique to you and nobody else. See, many of us are afraid to share our own changed life. We either disqualify ourselves or we allow others' opinions to disqualify us. See, some of you today would say, you know what, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a contractor. I'm just a hairdresser. I'm just blah, 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 whatever you do. Today, if you have breath in your lungs, you ain't dead. If, you have a chain, if your life's been changed by Jesus, it's your responsibility to share your story with people. I mean, that's what Easter is all about. We've got an awesome time. We've got millions of people on this Easter weekend next weekend that are going to be looking for a church because they only come on Christmas and Easter. What a great opportunity to share your story or to encourage somebody to come to church with you. Amen? Are you, am I stepping on some toes? I hope not. I'm just trying to be real. See, this is another big priority. You're only one conversation away from changing the trajectory of someone's eternity. Can you get that? You're only one conversation away from changing the trajectory of someone's eternity. That should mean every conversation matters. Every time I go through Hy-Vee or through Walmart or wherever I check out and get my groceries, that conversation that I have in that one second or that encouragement that I give could change the trajectory of somebody's eternity. Man, I hope it gives you purpose today. I hope it encourages you today. I hope it encourages you to live with purpose each and every day. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Turn to your neighbor on your left or your right, I don't care, and say, for I am. Oh, this is lame. Come on. This is what you, this is what you need. Okay, awesome. You need to know this. I'm not on video today in the other locations. 
Oh, so we can have some little fun here. Turn to your neighbor and say, for I am God's masterpiece. Now turn to the other person on the other side and say, for I am God's masterpiece. You need to believe that. You are unique. You're different. You've got different personalities, different gifts. Man, you are his masterpiece. So start believing it. Look in the mirror. Go write it on, a, on the mirror in the morning or get a dry erase board or whatever. Write that verse down for I am God's masterpiece and begin to believe it and live it. There are too many people out there that don't really have any hope that are more joyful than the church. Ooh. Man, we've got joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory, man. Don't bring me back to when I grew up in a little church in Kansas. Woo! Praise the Lord. Playing the tambourine, I was four years old, just going crazy on the worship team. Joy unspeakable and full of glory, man. That's the kind of joy that we should have. I understand life's difficult, but we have the hope. We truly can be like Jesus. No matter what the storms of life may bring us, we can just relax back and go, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you in his hands right where he wants you. But just be obedient. Be purposeful today. The last piece, essential truth number three. God's purpose isn't to make me happy. God's purpose is to use me to bring glory to his name. That can be found in verse, uh, in verse 18. When we look at, at the man so Jesus is getting ready to leave. He's been asked to leave. And so as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus has done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Now, can you imagine, can you be in, imagine being this guy going, Jesus, you transform me, you shape me, let me go with you. And I bet all the people in the region were going, Jesus, take him with you. Please, we've seen how he's been. We're not sure if this is really going to stick, so take him with you. But Jesus says, no, the man's begging him, come on, Jesus, take me with you. I'll be one of your disciples. I'll follow you. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. But Jesus says, no. What does that mean for us? Jesus may change your life. Jesus may transform you and shape you, but that doesn't mean you get to do what you want. So many of us were like, yeah, I'm saved, cool, great, and I'll just hoard my faith, my story to myself. That could have happened with this man because Jesus said, you know what? Dude, just go to the 10 cities and just hang out and share your story. He could have gotten frustrated like many of us do. Go, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> have a temper tantrum, you know, like a two-year-old. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He goes out there and he begins to, to share his story. Anyone can count a seed in an apple, but only God knows how many apples are in a seed. When you plant a seed today, when you plant a seed this week, when you begin to share your faith, you are planting a seed. You can count, I can go and count how many seeds are in an apple. I think there's like four or five. But only after I plant the seed does God know how many apples are actually going to come out of that seed that was planted. Is that good or what? Think about it. You don't know what's going to come from your story being shared and told. How that's going to impact somebody else who's going to go out and impact somebody else who's going to impact somebody else who's going to impact somebody else. What are you doing with the seeds that God's given you? Are you planting them or are you hoarding them for yourself? Because see, this is what happens. Jesus says, no, go home. Go share your story to these 10 towns. And this is what ex exactly happens. Mark chapter 6, we're going to pick it up and I'm just going to read this a little bit to you. 
Mark chapter 6 and 7. So Jesus returned to his hometown and traveled through the region of Tyre and then returned to the region of Decapolis, the very place Jesus had told the demon-possessed man to witness. At the close of Mark chapter 7, we read of crowds who followed Jesus. He healed the deaf man in Mark chapter 7. And then in those days, there was another large crowd that was gathered. And then there was another miracle that happened in, in Mark chapter 8 of the famous feeding of the 4,000. Could, could the seed of the healing and the obedience planted in the formerly demonic man in a cemetery have resulted in thousands of learning about Jesus? Absolutely. This man, he was trained, transformed, and he went out and he shared his story. He talked about the mercy that Jesus had on him. How when everybody else came up to him and looked at him and ran away from him, Jesus had the conversation. Jesus stood in front of him and loved him right where he was at and freed him today. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. You have the same authority. You can cast out demons. You can speak truth and life into death and dark places. You can do that today. But we have to be people who live in the power of Christ. Today, Acts 20, 24 says this. Paul writes, My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Today, is it in your heart? Is it in your heart that there will be people that will spend eternity, eternity away from God because you or I didn't share our faith? Or didn't share our story. Think about that for a moment. There will be people, friends, co-workers, family members who will spend eternity separated from God because I cared about how they may perceive me, think about me, how awkward the conversation might go because I didn't share my story today. That's really what we're looking at. Are you a person that's going to be focused on the temporary things of this world or rust and moth destroy? Or will you leave and live a life leaving a thumbprint, a mark on eternity? Because at the end of the day, the only thing that you can take to heaven is people. Period. Today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you are a person saying, you know what, I just need to... I, need to turn my eyes to Jesus. Or maybe you've come and you're like, man, I'm a disqualifier myself. I don't feel like I got the goods. I don't got the, the quali qualifications that it takes. I mean, do you know, what I, you know what I did last night? Who cares? You know what that man did last night? The demon possessed? It didn't matter. He came to Jesus. He ran to Jesus. He humbled himself and he bowed before Jesus. If that's your response, amen. He can save you and set you free. Others of you, you're just like, man, I'm here. I just want to be happy. I just want to enjoy my life. Jesus wants to use your story to change the hearts and lives of other people. Today, let's pray. God, today we love you and we thank you. God, there is none like you. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. God, that you show us what true transformation looks like. What true normity looks like. We don't have to be conformed 
to the patterns of this world, but God, we can be transformed. We can live different and people can be amazed by the way we live our life that brings glory and honor to you, Christ. We can live a life that is holy and pleasing to you. That causes people to go, man, I want some of that. I want that Jesus. If Jesus can do that for you, man, I want that. Jesus, help us to be a joyful people, a compassionate people, full of gentleness, full of grace, but speak truth in love. God, may we be those people, not shying away from the truth that can really set them free because of fear. God, today we love you and we praise you. And everyone said, amen.